walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, a very sick boy, the hardest part of the ring, also known as Kyle. And uh, man, oh man, so what do you guys want to talk about? You know, like he says, uh, hello, everybody. How are we all doing? Hope everybody's having a lovely week. I know uh, getting this out to you a little later than I usually do. But the reason for that, if you can't <laughs> tell in my voice, is uh, I've been a little under the weather the past few days. And the reason being... Is because I just got back from my honeymoon in California to go see WrestleMania. Yes, as the as the title suggests, I went to WrestleMania for my honeymoon. And every time I tell people that, every time at, I was telling people at work, I was like, yeah, honeymoon's next week. And they're like, where are you going? I'm like, California. And they're like, What's in California? And then it's oh, WrestleMania. And then now everybody knows I'm a wrestling fan. And everybody's like, hey, how in the hell did you get your wife to agree to go to WrestleMania for your honeymoon? And uh, I'm still trying to figure that out myself. <laughs> uh, shout out to the softest part of the ring. What a what a what a trooper. I mean, we did. Uh, we're, and I'm going to talk about it, too. We did a bunch of other shit. Uh, leading up to WrestleMania, had our little uh, our own little road to WrestleMania ourselves, and um, but yeah, we'll get into it. This, this episode is just gonna be a, a little casual, casual hang, you know. Talk a little, uh, talk a little, little road trip action, a little WrestleMania action. You know, a few things may have happened on that show. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll talk about my trip. We'll talk about WrestleMania. Uh, maybe touch a little bit on NXT and Ring of Honor uh, pay-per-views slash PLEs from the past week as well. Raw after WrestleMania, the Endeavor deal, all of it. We're just, it's this, this is just a, uh, I don't have that many notes. We're just here to kind of shoot the shit this week, but there is a lot to talk about. But first of all, let's talk about this honeymoon, man. An incredible 10-day trip. Um, first time to California for both myself, uh, my wife, she was actually born in California, but moved before she was like 10 months old. So for all intents and purposes, uh, it was, uh, both of our first times 
uh, on the West Coast. So uh, very, very interesting. We basically, so we started up at Monterey, which is uh, where the softest part of the ring was born, worked our way down to uh, Paso Robles, down to Santa Barbara, and then finishing out at LA, of course, the site of WrestleMania. So, but, uh, but yeah, we basically, we worked our way for anybody, you know, on the West Coast, it's familiar. Highway one is the highway that runs down the coast of California. Although like a lot of it was blocked because I guess there was like a landslide or some shit. So we had to like, you know, cut around, but we got to view all the mountains and shit like that. So I was, it was kind of cool that it worked out that way. But yeah, we started in Monterey. Monterey was probably the prettiest place that we went to because like, like Virginia, we have beaches. We have, we have some places with beaches. We have some places with mountains, but we don't have anywhere with both. So that was cool. Um, like the rocky coastlines. I mean, it was all gorgeous. We did the, uh, it's called, it's called the 17 mile drive, which is basically a, a path that takes you to a bunch of really cool, like overlooks and shit and like state parks and trails and stuff. So really scenic. So Monterey in that way was probably the prettiest. Although Paso Robles, our next stop was pretty in a different, it had like the mountains, it had the wine, dude, I'm not, I'm not really a wine guy, but suck me off. That pa the Paso Robles wine was fantastic. Um, went to Dow Winery. If I don't know if there's any wine people that are familiar. It's like at the top of a mountain. It was crazy. Um, went to another winery and did like a sidecar tour where some guy on a bike <laughs> drove my wife and I. Like we were both sitting on a sidecar and they like, drove us around like all the wine fields and the wine fields i don't know then we traveled down to santa barbara which probably had it had the best food for sure good lords i mean the, and the downtown area was pretty cool too went to like a piano bar and um but yeah the food was although i will say i will say Cal california i don't know if it's a california thing if it's a west coast thing i've never seen it in virginia look i appreciate the thought but mashed potatoes inside your burritos is that sh that shit's out of pocket. You guys need to chill. You guys need to relax. I think I, I, I appreciate it. It's a good thought. It's too much. Just settle down. Walked along the beach in Santa Barbara and all this stuff. See, it's not just WrestleMania. This is people ask how I convinced her to go to WrestleMania. It was all this, but I had a great time as well. Of course. Um, and then we get, we work our way after that. We spent like two or three days in each place. And, uh, so we ended up, we spent a lot of time driving, but it was again, down the coast and through the mountains and stopping at places like Hearst castle, which is like this giant mansion, a bunch of state parks and stuff like that. So really cool experience. Um, definitely a good time. <laughs> then we get to, Los Angeles or uh, El Segundo is actually where we stayed, as you can see by the old uh, shirt that I'm sporting here. We uh, we actually stopped at Steve Austin's brewery or is uh, or El Segundo brewery where they brew his beer. Um, awesome time there. And oh, El Segundo was actually a really cool place. But L.A. in general, like like L.A. L.A. is fucking trash. I mean, whole oh my Venice Beach. I had to go to Venice Beach to see Muscle Beach, 
thinking, hey, maybe I'll see Sting out there in the sand doing dumbbell presses or something. I don't know. Um, but all we saw were homeless people and uh, people break dancing and uh, people making shitty custom shirts. So <laughs> um, Venice Beach, it was an experience. I mean, I don't know if you're anybody's familiar with Virginia Beach, which is where I live. Um, but Venice Beach is kind of just like Virginia Beach on steroids, really. Um, with the Santa Monica Pier, all this about all this stuff I'm talking about. I mean, like all the airports we went to, Santa Monica Pier, which if I don't know if anybody's familiar with this or if anybody's been there that's listening, the place is a fucking zoo. I mean, you go, it's packed like sardines. People are just shoulder to shoulder licking each other this handrails i mean it is it is a sight to see and then going to wrestlemania and being with all this it's amazing that we didn't get sick there or we didn't at least start feeling sick there but that's whatever um so yeah la was interesting uh we went to denton so this is where the wrestling starts to come in the night before wrestlemania me and the softest part of the ring went to dinner at this rooftop bar called Perch. And um, so we go to dinner. It's awesome. Food's great. Drinks are great. We leave. We start like heading towards the, there's like an elevator that takes you down or whatever. As we're walking towards the elevator, we have to like walk past the bar to get there. As we're walking, I look to my right and I see a long-haired, a, a, a long, gray-haired gentleman, a Canadian gentleman, a gentleman that seems to hate Goldberg, walked right past Bret Hart. Like, I'm, like, literally almost touched shoulder to shoulder with him. I look to my right. I notice it's him. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I, I tap my wife on the, on the back. I'm like... It's fucking Bret Hart, because she, she knows who Bret Hart is. I mean, she falls asleep to me watching 1996 Rawls, so she's very familiar with Bret Hart. So me and her spend, like, five minutes just, like, standing up against the wall, like, trying to figure out what to do, because obviously I want to say hi, I want to shake his hand, I want to give him a kiss on the lips, but he's, like, he's talking to some. I don't think it's his wife, but he's talking to somebody, and I don't want to be that guy that's, like, Hey, I hate I hate to interrupt your conversation at this beautiful restaurants and bar or whatever, um, but I'm going to anyways. You know what I mean? I I didn't want to be I didn't want to interrupt. He's he's he, he thinks he's away from wrestling fans because wrestling fans aren't going to this place. I didn't want to be that guy, so I ended up not you know saying hi. It's probably for the best. He probably would have hated me. And I can't have Bret Hart hating me. That's just gonna ruin all Bret Hart matches. So, um, but it was really cool to see him like right here up close and personal so surprisingly that's like the only wrestler i saw with like wrestlemania and all and everything that's going on in this area is it's incredible that's the only guy i saw but um really cool time and uh it was actually after that dinner after i saw him me the softest part of the ring went to the novo theater to attend a show called the undertaker's one dead man show. Whew, so this venue, it was a really cool venue. It was kind of a pain in the ass to get in, but uh, really cool, like an intimate kind of theater, 
really tall but short so you're like right on top of the whatever is going on on the stage and in this case it was the undertaker basically you know telling stories and all that shit and going into it i was concerned because we, we've seen all these like documentaries like what was it, it was like a five-part documentary or something when when undertaker went into the hall of fame when he retired they did like an a a and e biography as well and a bunch of other like podcasts and interviews so he's like Undertaker's at this point has told a bunch of stories from his career. So I was kind of concerned that we might just hear a bunch of repeats, but, and I'm not going to go like into the specifics about what he talked about, just in case, you know, someone listening wants to go and, uh, and, and watch this. Cause it was, I definitely recommend it. It was a fantastic time, but it was, um, yeah, I don't think any of the stories he told I had heard before. I mean, he's talking a lot, a lot about his early career. Um, he didn't really talk a lot about WWE. It was, it was mostly pre WWE, um, although he did have funny stories about like the fake undertaker and macho man, dude, I legitimately, I don't know if I've ever heard a better macho man <laughs> impression than the undertakers. It was spot on. It was scary. Um, but a, a really fun time. Um, this is like, I'm sitting in a chair Looking at the Undertaker, he's wearing a shirt and jeans. He's just talking shit. It was, and like I said, it's this, this intimate setting. It was, if it ever comes to your town, you need to go. Because it was a, a really special time. And, you know, so that was Friday. And that brings us to Saturday. Which uh, brings us to what we all want to talk about. And that's WrestleMania 39. Um, my wife and I both attended both nights of WrestleMania at this point, you've probably heard a lot of podcasts, you know, reviewing the show, talking about what happened and believe me, we're going to get We're going to get into it. Um, but, uh, just kind of wanted to give a unique perspective from somebody that was there at WrestleMania, by the way, the, by far the biggest show I've ever been to, uh, wrestling or otherwise. I mean, here in Virginia, we get like, we get some Rawls and Smackdowns, We've gotten like SmackDown specific pay-per-views. No, no, no summer slams are coming to Virginia. Um, so it was a really cool experience. Obviously, SoFi State, about beautiful stadium, SoFi. Um, really clean, too. It was like easy getting in. Traffic getting out was a different story, but uh, really cool stadium. I mean, just walking around and seeing all the merch and you know, we stumbled upon like the pre-show panel, which is cool and things like that. So, I mean, just being in that atmosphere was uh, really, really, uh, it was a special time. I mean, like the, the stage, the the lighting. I mean, this show felt like a WrestleMania. And I don't know if I'm just being biased because this is the one that I t attended. I think it was like the best looking stage, the best, like, just like visually, aesthetically, the best looking WrestleMania. That's my opinion. I know a lot of people like what was it, the thirty WrestleMania thirty two with like the roller coaster. Is that thirty two? What you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, but I feel like this one. It if it was like simple, but also had that like elegance and like the um like the it just felt like a big deal. You know what I mean? Like the gold and red colors. It was it was awesome all throughout the stadium. Um, a great atmosphere. The crowd was really into uh you know, matches that deserve to be <laughs> gotten into. And um, I will say, though, let's talk about um, let's talk about the two night WrestleMania format that they've gone with. Now, 
you know, ignoring the pandemic one because that's just an outlier. Um, the past two WrestleManias have been two nights. And I would say the past two WrestleManias have been both like top five WrestleManias of all time. And I'm wondering, is that is the two nights helping it or is it just like they just happen to be good WrestleManias and just happen to be two nights? I don't know, um, but I do really like the two night format as opposed to like the one night, the one eight hour night. I, like I've always said this, if I had it my way, WrestleMania would be one show in like four, maybe four and a half hours. The next best option is what they do now. Two nights, sub four hours. The worst option is to have one show that's like a marathon and then matches at the end suffer because everybody's tired. Um, I never felt tired at any point. Uh, well, no, that's a lie. Um, like going into the second night was very interesting. And it makes me like wonder how the wrestlers do it. Like going into night one, you drive to the arena, you, you get your parking situated, you, you, you wait in line to get into the arena. You, uh, you know, you buy food and merch or whatever the hell, and then you find your seat and then you watch the show and then you take an hour to get out of the parking lot and then you drive home in LA traffic and then, oh shit, we got to do that again. <laughs> so it was like kind of a, uh, a marathon in that sense. Um, I just remember going and walking in the night too. It was like, geez. So I'm still on the fence about the two night thing. Um, but with the past two manias and the quality that they've been, it's hard to argue against it thus far, but, um, I mean, especially, and then they have the raw after WrestleMania. So that's, that's something people need to take into account is that these, I mean, the wrestlers are traveling as well. Some of them are wrestling multiple times and it's like, I could see it being pretty draining. Yeah, I wonder how they do it, but it was it was something. It was it was a, a very unique experience. But um the show itself, like I said, um as a whole, WrestleMania 39, I mean top, definitely top five WrestleMania of all time, maybe top three. Um just an awesome show. I mean, from from a from an in-ring quality standpoint, I think Dave Meltzer, like, you know, whatever. You know me, I don't care about Dave Meltzer's ratings, but they're kind of a good gauge as to uh, what people think in ring-wise of these matches. I saw that the triple threat match, the Intercontinental title match, got five stars. I saw Sammy and KO versus the Usos also got five stars, and there's a bunch of four and a half, four point seven five star match. I mean, as somebody that was there, I mean, it was incredible. The matches... Um, some of the best matches I've ever seen, you know, atmosphere wise, but we all know, what we, <laughs> we all know what we want to talk about, right? Let's get into it. So the Miz versus Snoop Dogg. Now, <laughs> fucking Shane McMahon, my wife popped hard for Shane McMahon. I don't know how I feel about that, but um, no, we, we might as well just get into it. Roman Reigns defeats Cody Rhodes to retain the WWE Universal Heavyweight World WWE Championship of the World. And some people 
are not too happy with that. And I'm going to tell you, so I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. And if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen a lot of my thoughts on this. And I'm going to expand on them here and add some new thoughts. Um, let me just lay this out before, before I get into anything, right? Cody Rhodes should have won. He, he should have won. I mean, look, I've been saying for months, and I still maintain this opinion. I mean, I was talking about this like Royal Rumble time. I didn't think Cody Rhodes should have won the Rumble. I didn't think Cody Rhodes should go on to face Roman. Mainly for the fact that Cody Rhodes, his path since his return has just been too easy. The, the, the lack of adversity that Cody Rhodes has seen. And by the way, I see people like they're, they're trying to attack on Cody's first run in WWE as his adversity. They're not the same timeline. And we're not, we're also, by the way, not taking into account his independent run, his AW run, because that has not been portrayed on WWE TV. So, you can't take things that happened off TV and consider them a building block of a storyline that's on TV. That doesn't make any sense. Cody Rhodes, since he's returned, he beat Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, who is a pillar of WWE, he is one of the biggest stars that WWE currently has, one of the most credible stars that WWE has. He beat Cody Rhodes, beat Seth Rollins three times in a row. 3-0 and against Seth Rollins. The third time with a fucking torn peck inside Hell in a Cell. Cody's been dominant. He's been unbeatable. And yeah, some people might take like, oh, he got injured. That's adversity. I, look, I guess if you really want it to be. But let's be honest. He, came, he comes back from this injury, waltzes into the Royal Rumble and wins it. Goes undefeated leading up to WrestleMania. He's on Raw pretty much every week wrestling, you know, Chad Gable and Miz and Ludwig Kaiser. And he's just undefeated, unbeatable, Cody Rhodes. And for him to just one year after coming back, win after win after win, no setbacks, and to just waltz into WrestleMania and beat Roman Reigns. That that is such a shallow story. It's such an unsatisfying story. Now, that being said, I was there at WrestleMania. I have never experienced a live atmosphere like Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. Everybody in that goddamn building, even the people that are, you know, memeing and throwing up the ones... Everyone in that arena, everyone in that stadium wanted Cody Rhodes to win. I mean, everybody is on their feet. My wife is yelling for Cody to get up and to kick Roman's ass. I'm, I'm on the aisle. I'm on my feet. I'm shaking the guardrail. I'm throwing a toddler in front of me over the barricade. I'm kissing this dude behind me. I'm out of my mind. As, you know, Cody, you know, you got Sammy and KO coming in. They take out the Usos. You got Cody, you know, throwing homage to his dad with the bionic elbow, then homage to his brother with the, you know, sit down chop, you know, the gold dust deal. 
And then Cody hits two crossroads. Goes for the third one. By the way, when he hit that second crossroads, I was like, man, this is just this is just the perfect ending. I mean, with KO and Sammy coming in and their story. So them being involved is awesome. They run off the Usos. Solo was kicked out earlier. Everything's crumbling for Roman. Two crossroads. The third one's coming. I feel it. And then the corner of my eye, I see this hooded asshole walking through the crowd, running through the crowd over the barricade on the apron, gives Cody the Samoan spike. And then Roman gives him a spear, beats him and retains. So while I maintain the fact that I think it would have been too easy for Cody. I still think that was the moment to pull the trigger. Now, that being said, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> because uh, for that reason that I mentioned, and people, people think they have to have one. There's, people are like taking sides on the situation. Like, was it the right decision? Was it the wrong decision? First of all, let me, let me lay this out for you. You as a fan don't get to decide if a booking decision is correct or not. You don't know shit. Okay. You don't know what's happening in the future. You don't know what the plans are as much as people like to think they do. You don't know what's coming up. You don't know who's going to get built up. You don't know if Cody's going to get a rematch. You don't know what that moment is going to be like when Roman does lose. So to say that it was the wrong decision is delusional. It's arrogance and, um, and it's uh, it's honestly like it's it's just just lazy because you're not looking deeper into it. And I just my this is my stance on it. Okay, your guy, the guy that you wanted to win, right? If that guy loses, that doesn't mean that they got it wrong. You know, I'm throwing up the heavy air quotes here. A lot of people, you know, because people are rooting for Cody, right? Everybody wants Cody to win. Cody doesn't win. Now that hits people's emotions. Everybody's bummed out. I was bummed out. That whole stadium was bummed out. People watching at home were bummed out. But just because you have that emotional response doesn't mean you have to translate that into being the analyst. Doesn't, And you don't have to translate that into trying to show that WWE got it wrong. It's like this weird thing. People did it with Drew. People did it with Sammy. They, their their guy loses and all of a sudden they have to like it's, I don't know if it's like a coping mechanism or what it is but they gotta like convince themselves that oh if I were booking this I would have I would have gotten it right I would have booked it correctly shut the fuck up like you can have the emotional you can be mad that Cody didn't win you can be bummed out that he didn't win that doesn't mean that you have to turn on your analyst brain and try to convince everybody that they got it wrong. Because at the end of the day, you don't know what's going to happen going forward. Now, I should say that everything you know that I'm going to say about this match, this is independent of the, the uh, creative shifts that we've seen recently. And uh, because people were bitching about it before Vince McMahon came back into the fold, before the Endeavor thing, so... That has no effect on why people have this opinion. So I'm keep this. This is all separate from that because you know who knows even with Vince and creative, who knows what's going to happen in the future. We, we I, I don't blame you for not having faith in him because 
I mean, we all saw that raw after WrestleMania, so justified not to have faith in Vince. But that's not what we're talking about here. But um, yeah, so Cody, yeah, I'm in agreement. Cody should have won. But that wasn't the only so that's not that's not the only way to go forward. It's okay that he didn't win. It's not the end of the world. People are losing their dicks over Cody losing. It is crazy how incensed people are getting. By the way, it's good to an extent. That's that's the emotion that wrestling should elicit. You should get really mad when the big bad heel beats the top babyface. That's what that's the emotion that they're trying to elicit and it did and you're mad that they're eliciting the emotion that they wanted. And now you're trying to justify it and you're trying to pin it on them like they got it wrong. No, they got it exactly right because this is the emotion that they wanted. People are saying, you know, there, there's no reason Cody should have lost. Ah, shut up. Talk, talking in absolutes like that is ridiculous. Especially with how unpredictable wrestling can be. I mean, Cody, what, less than two years ago was an AEW and now he's just coming off of a WrestleMania main event. You don't know what's happening in the, in the future. You don't know who's going to get hot. You don't know who's going to maintain momentum, who's, who's not going to maintain momentum. You don't know. And like I said, Cody has seen no adversity since his return to WWE. So to have him being brought down a peg, having to overcome the odds, and now he's in a feud with Brock Lesnar. I mean, people are more behind Cody now than ever. Picture it. Picture the tension that'll be in the air if Roman and Cody have a rematch, whether it's like, you know, SummerSlam or next year's WrestleMania. Just imagine the tension in the air. Imagine the groundswell of support Cody's going to have. He got screwed out of his match at WrestleMania the previous year. Now this is his chance to rectify that result from WrestleMania 39. There's, there's no reason that can't happen. Because by the way, and a lot of people seem to be ignoring this, Cody didn't lose clean. The Usos interfered. Solo Sokoa interfered. People are like, oh, Cody, oh, he got embarrassed. He got geeked out by Roman Reigns. This motherfucker was dominating Roman Reigns in the match, was one move away from winning, and Solo Sokoa had to save Roman's ass. Cody came out looking like a star, even in defeat. And by the way, let's just... what What is this, like, mentality that people have that if you're not a champion, you're not a star? People are like, oh, they had their chance to build, a baby, build their next babyface star and they blew it. Did they? Because people are more behind Cody than they ever were. What, because he lost a match? You think that <laughs> you think that he's not a star anymore? Have you watched wrestling before? Do you think every you have to be undefeated to be a star? Is that your mentality? But Cody, like I look, nobody has been built stronger than Cody up to this point. He's won every match. And, and other than this main event, which is riddled with interference. And by the way, I will throw this out there. My, my one criticism here that a lot of people have that I do agree with. 
the, the finishes for these Roman Reigns matches are, def, are repetitive as hell. They, they, they're all the same. And while I can appreciate, because Sola Sokoa, in the build-up to this match, Cody had made like, you know, very pointed, you know, remarks at Solo and that he's not ready or whatever the hell. So and from a kayfabe sense, it does make sense for Solo to be extra aggressive, to be extra motivated to cost Cody the match. So that does make sense. However, the fact that Solo was ejected and just came back out, that was fuck, that was bogus. Because now, now people getting ejected doesn't matter anymore because they could just come back out as long as the referee's not looking, which is what needs to happen with any interference anyways. So it's like, I thought that was a bit lazy in how they booked it. And I think the repetitive finishes to these Roman matches, like he can win clean sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, or even like win, win with a low blow, win with brass knucks, you know, take a, take a fucking um, coconut and smash it over Cody's head or something. I don't know. Do something like, you know, if you want, if you listen to my show, you know that I cover TNA from from 2006, 2005, that era. Jeff Jarrett is all over that, <laughs> all over that era. He's always the world champion and he always wins with shenanigans, but the shenanigans are always different. Like sometimes it's interference. Sometimes it's a shady ref. Sometimes it's, you know, Jeff using his guitar. Sometimes it's somebody dropping a nightstick from the rafters. Like it's, there's always shenanigans and bullshit, but it's, it's different at least. So what I'm saying is Jeff Jarrett is better than Roman Reigns is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Roman's a little diversity in the finishes would be appreciated. But, but as I mean, I was saying, um, Cody is still a top baby face. You know, there was a report that Cody's he he led merch sales over WrestleMania weekend. And God, on Twitter, there's people quote tweeting it. There's people replying to this report like, man, WWE really missed the boat on Cody, huh? No, they fucking didn't because he's still there. He's still a top babyface. He's still the guy that people want to see conquer Roman Reigns. If anything, he's bigger than he was going into WrestleMania. Because now he has a story. Now he has adversity. Hard times make better men, or whatever the hell the saying is. It's, it's akin to, to, you know, Dusty's journey. This is the story that they're building. And if you don't like it, if you would have preferred Cody to win at WrestleMania 39, hell, I mean, like, I, like I've said, that would have been perfectly fine. But just because he didn't doesn't mean the world's falling down. There's still a path. There's still a story to be told now. And I, I will say this. Look, if Cody had won, right? He walked out of WrestleMania, the new champion, you know, whatever. They merged the belts. He has one belt. And he goes, maybe he, maybe he defends the belt against Brock Lesnar instead of just being in a non-title feud like he is right now. Let's say Cody goes to defend the title against Brock Lesnar. Is that more intriguing than where he is now? Because right now, Cody's at, you know, he's trying to fight his way back to the top. He got kicked down by Roman Reigns. Now he has Brock Lesnar on his throat and he's trying to, now he has to conquer this beast to fight his way back to Roman. To me, man, that's just so, um, so much more engaging of a story. There's so much more stakes involved. 
There's so much more tension involved. It's overall more entertaining, the path that they've taken, in my opinion. And even if you don't agree that it's more engaging, more entertaining, you can at least acknowledge that there is a, a different story being built that has quality in its own right. Because now Cody, like I said, has to overcome this adversity, adversity that he's, that he's not seen since his return. It's a change of pace. We all, have, we all saw how Kofi Mania ended up, right? Kofi, Kofi, Kofi Kingston had this groundswell of support, wins the title at WrestleMania, and then what happens? Now he's just a guy with a title. Now we have to create a story out of that. And it sucked. He's just the champion that is defending his title against people. There's no other layers to it. And to an extent, I believe that's what would have happened to Cody too, had he just won at WrestleMania. Because now he's conquered, you know, his mission statement when he first came here was to win the title that no, nobody in his family had ever won. If he just does that right away, then what else is there for, there for him to do? So them prolonging this just keeps Cody in that spotlight longer. It builds to a deeper crescendo, and it's going to make the climax even better. It's like when you edge, you know what I mean? You edge for a few days and then you release and then it's way better than if you would have just walked into your house and done it, you know, within the first five minutes of you putting your keys on the key hook. You know what I'm saying? So Cody, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, a lot of people have this mindset of like, well, if not Cody, then who? This is funny because back in September, a lot of people thought Drew was the guy, Drew McIntyre, and then Drew loses and everybody's like, well, if not Drew, then who? And that who ends up being Sami Zayn at Elimination Chamber. And then Sami loses, and everybody's like, well, if not Sami, then who? And then the who is Cody Rhodes. And then Cody loses. Well, if not Cody, then who? Like, do you see, do you see the pattern here? Opportunities are constantly opening themselves. You, new faces can step into that role. Drew, Sami, Cody. Who you don't know what's going to be built in the future. Let, let me let me because people are saying if not Cody then who? Let me let me throw a few names at you just just for example. I mean if obviously there's the possibility of a Cody Rhodes rematch, which is what I personally think will happen. But you have let, let me let me throw a few names at you. Some of them are a little um not controversial. They're a little bit um dark horses, I guess. They're a little bit not likely at this point in time, but time is a fucking endless thing, right? I mean, WWE never ends. So who's to say who's going to be over this time next year or, or this time or, or, you know, in six months from now or whatever, you know what I mean? Wrestling changes so fast. Like I said, Cody Rose was an AEW less than two years ago. Okay. Um, but let me throw a few names at you. Seth Rollins. Now, Roman and Seth faced at Royal Rumble, was it 2022? And uh, I believe it was a DQ finish, right? Roman lost by DQ. So they've kept that open, basically. I'm, I'm surprised they've kept it open this long because Roman did not beat Seth. And in the past, Seth has had a stellar record against Roman Reigns. So... That's always something they can revisit, especially Seth. He's coming off a big victory at WrestleMania. 
He's seemingly, you know, we don't know what's next for Seth. So that's very possibly a future feud that could be revisited. And Seth beating Roman, I feel like would be satisfying, especially when you take into account the Rumble match and how Roman couldn't beat him. And then you have the shield undertones and Seth. I mean, people love Seth. Why couldn't it be Seth? It absolutely could be. Jey Uso, which is, look, I'm not, me, I don't need Jey Uso as the world champion. I, I understand it's like a full circle thing with the story. I personally don't think the title needs to be involved. To me, I think when Roman loses, Roman's first feud out of that title reign is going to be with Jay. So I think that'll happen. I don't think it'll be for the title, but that's another, it's, it's another possibility. We can see how it plays out. We can see how that's built. Jey Uso is also an option because it fits perfectly with the story. Here, here's one that people are going to be like, shut the fuck up, Kyle. L.A. Knight. Yeah. Now, L.A. Knight, he's not exactly um, a main event caliber star as of right now, although he did have a pretty significant feud with Bray Wyatt. They haven't really followed up with him, but that's a guy that could get hot quick. I mean, the charisma on him is Stone Cold-esque, where it is just, everybody can identify with him. He could, he could sell a ketchup popsicle to a person with white gloves. L.A. Knight is a star. I think L.A. Knight has the most star potential out of anybody on that roster, including Roman Reigns. An absolute star, can go in the ring, looks like a champion. And as of right now, as of April 7th, 2023, he's not in that spot yet. But again, we all know how fast wrestling can be, how fast things can change. Give Ellie a few big wins. He could be the guy. He could be the guy. And uh, one more, and this is kind of just a pipe dream. I don't think it's going to happen. Just because logistically, I don't know how they would work their way towards this. But Gunther. Now, you know, him and Roman, both heels, two heel factions. I wouldn't I don't want the world title to go from one heel faction to another heel faction. But things can evolve. Maybe Imperium becomes babyface. Maybe the bloodline becomes babyface. Gunther, I mean, we all know what this dude can do in the ring. He looks like a monster. He's menacing. We've seen his title reigns in the past and how he carries himself. He'd be the perfect champion. He'd be the perfect guy to take that torch from Roman after Roman's gone. Now, personally, I think whoever beats Roman is then going to get beat by Gunther. I don't think it's going to go from Roman to Gunther, but that's just another name that could be possible. That's something that could be built if they wanted to, and it'd be convincing and it'd be satisfying, I think. So there's other options. People were like, oh, Cody was the last resort. People were saying the same thing about Drew. People were saying the same thing about Sammy. These opportunities continue to open themselves. Just stop, stop filling your diaper whenever the guy you want to win loses. Because at the end of the day, you can't always have a happy ending. WrestleMania was not a happy ending, at least for Cody Rhodes. And that's okay. That is okay. You can be mad. You can, the guy that you wanted to win didn't win. That's fine. I was bummed out too. But to take this approach like, oh, WWE missed the boat. WWE got it wrong. That's just tiresome. It's annoying. 
And it, nobody's impressed. Nobody's impressed when you have that opinion. So, and like I said, Cody looked like a star in that match. He lost, but like I said, he was dominating a lot of it. Roman was much less cocky in this match than he normally is. And that's because he knows the ability of Cody. This is putting over, this is, it's putting over Cody in a passive way, but it's putting him over, but people don't want to use their brains. They, they, they see the loss in the record books. It's like, oh, loss, bad, no title, bad. There's a deeper level of thinking that is, is involved here that'll lead you to understand that it's not the end of the world. It's going to be okay. Um, I will say, though, if Roman's reign ends from a money in the bank cash in, that'll suck ass. I see some people being like, oh, Cody, come in money in the bank and cash in. That, that, would, that would be awful. If that were to happen, I'd be like, oh, fuck. Okay, you know what? This, this all sucked. <laughs> that WrestleMania, yeah, that, I would be in, in completely in the boat of WWE fucked it up. But we can't predict the future, so let's just hope that doesn't happen. So, uh, but yeah, okay. I think I've rambled enough about that. Let's, let's briefly go over the rest of the card. I'm not going to go into super high detail about the matches. Um, but I do have thoughts on them. Um, so night one opens up with Austin theory, defeating John Cena and in retaining the United States title, man, I am so fucking done with John Cena. <laughs> this dude is minimum effort. John, that's what we call him now. He's no longer big match. John, he is minimum effort. John, I mean, this, the whole feud is just a disaster. I mean, John just buries the shit out of Austin Theory with the promo. And I do like that they lean into the reality of it and that people don't really care about Austin Theory. But they didn't follow up on it with the match. John's going on about how Austin has no, what he has, no hearts. He has no, nobody's going to care about him, whether he wins or loses. John's literally like, hey, if you beat me, it doesn't matter because you still suck. So it's like, what are we fighting for then? And going into it, I'm going to tell you what this match should have been. It should have either been Austin Theory squashing John Cena in like seconds and just kicking the shit out of him. Or it should have shown a different level of resilience in Austin Theory, a different level of heart in Austin Theory. Maybe... John gives him an AA and he kicks out. Maybe give John, then John gives him one from the top rope and then he kicks out. God forbid, maybe John gives, gets color on Austin Theory. Austin's bleeding. He keeps kicking out. He won't give up. And then maybe, you know, Austin recovers and wins. That's what it, it should have been something. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what the worst option for this match was. It's what fucking happened. A simple low blow and hits his finisher and then he wins. The match sucked. Austin didn't come out looking better. Now he's just back to square one, which is just create a wrestler number three. <laughs> and it's funny because the whole par the whole reason the storyline is even happens is because the, the parallels people are making Austin Theory and John Cena. People are saying Austin Theory is the next John Cena. In reality, Austin Theory is the next Dolph Ziggler at best. So just very uninspiring, but. I don't know, man. Also, he, he needs a character shift. He needs like a Randy Orton-esque character shift, like a very dramatic one that'll 
separate him from all the other guys in tights that do fancy moves because that's that's all he is. That's all he is. He's as generic as generic gets. And John, just stay away, John. If you're going to keep <laughs> fucking phoning this shit in, we don't need you. I say that, but he's going to get huge pops whenever he comes back. So who, who am I? Who am I? Um, the Fatal 4-Way Tag Match, the men's tag match. Loved this match. Really fun. Uh, it's a spot fest, but that's what it's supposed to be, man. And the crowd loved it. I loved it. Um, Chad Gable came out looking like a monster, giving the chaos theory to Braun Strowman. Um, that spot where Dawkins just leveled the shit out of Strowman as well. I'll, I'll say this. Braun was pretty giving in this match. I usually don't have a lot of good things to say about Braun Strowman, but he, he, he was here to, um, help get guys over in this match. So I appreciate that, but just a fun little match. Didn't, I mean, it blew my expectations out of the water and, uh, got the crowd into it. So that's really all you can ask for, huh? And Seth Rollins defeats Logan Paul in a awesome match. And one of my favorite matches of the weekends. I mean, it's, it's crazy how good Logan Paul is, man. I'm with you guys. I don't, I don't like him as a person, of course, but I can separate the character from the person. And as a pro wrestler, if Logan, if Logan Paul like just dropped everything and just committed to being a pro wrestler, Logan Paul could be the best wrestler in the world easily. He gets it. He gets how to get heat. He has the athleticism and you know, the, the in-between stuff, the, the character stuff within the match. I mean, he does better than most other guys on the roster. So Logan's great. Seth is great. Obviously I will say though, this match probably gave both the best and worst entrances of WrestleMania. The so Logan Paul, it was a silly entrance, but the, the zip line, the prime bottle, it was all silly, but it was perfectly Logan. And it was just, it was spectacular in its own little way. But then you have Seth. Oh my, all right. I hate when a organic thing becomes inorganic. It's just like Chris Jericho's Judas. Like Chris has to like pander to get people to sing a song now just because people were singing it, you know, a while ago. Now, now it has to be a thing every time. And now that's the thing with Seth and there's people singing a song. You have the conductor out there trying to pander, pander to the crowd. And you have like a, 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 a soundtrack over top of it. And the conductor and the soundtrack aren't in sync. And, the whole crowd's confused. Like, do we follow the conductor? Do we follow the soundtrack? It was, it was just dumb. Like, just have Seth come out. We're all going to sing it anyways. <laughs> so, so that was corny as shit, but the match is awesome. Uh, KSI and the prime bottle was hilarious. The spot through the announce table. <laughs> Seth pulls the prime bottle on the table and Logan accidentally splashes him. And then he throws him in stomps. Like the whole, the whole finishing sequence to that match was awesome. And, um, I loved it. I loved it. The six-woman tag match, you know, Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish, they defeat Damage Control. And, uh, I mean, this was this was a, you know, one of those WrestleMania moment matches. It's a match designed to get, you know, a photo op, you know, with Becky and Lita and Trish standing victorious. The match was f- whatever. It was a little clunky at points, but I think there was enough um, high points for it to be a, uh, a decent match overall. I think Trish, 
think Trish, weirdly enough, shined more than anybody else in this match. So it's good to see. It was fine for what it was. Um, damage control is just, man, what a what a dumpster fire that faction is. Good Lord. Uh, I can't people praise Triple H like he's the god of all gods in terms of booking. But I can't I can't remember a faction that was booked worse than damage control. Maybe like the League of Nations. But, you know, it's been, what, 10 years since that happened. Um, so yeah, damage control is fucking done, man. Bailey might be done, too. I think she, she tweeted. She sent some cryptic tweet, which annoys me. But that's a whole different story. Like, just shut up. Like, just go if you're going. Um, but Bailey might be leaving. And um, honestly, like, I don't know, man. Like, Bailey had a really strong run during the pandemic. But ever since her return, she's just not hitting. Her promos suck. She doesn't seem sure of herself. In the ring, she's never really been spectacular. She's had a couple of really good matches, but um, just not really consistent as far as I'm concerned. And um, I don't know, man. I'm just I'm not into Bailey like I used to be. If if she does end up staying with WWE, she needs to um, get away from this damage control shit because that's just holding her back. It's holding Neo back. It's holding Dakota back. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Rey Mysterio defeats Dominic Mysterio. I thought this is awesome. I thought this is everything it needed to be, even though Dominic um, has little to no value. He's... <laughs> I mean, the feud with his father, obviously, it writes itself. And I think everything's been executed pretty well. Story-wise, the match, like I said, it was what it needed to be. It didn't blow my dick off in terms of match quality, but there was enough fun spots in the finish with Bad Bunny and all that stuff. That was cool. So, um, Ray had a really cool entrance with the lowrider and Snoop Dogg and Eddie's music. And then Dominic had the silly shit with the fucking handcuffs and the cop car or whatever. It was, it was fine. I like this feud. I just struggled to think of what Dominic could possibly do after this feud with Ray is over. <laughs> I mean, God, the shelf life on Dominic is just, cause what does he do? Cause I guess on backlash, it's probably going to be Dominic and Damian priest versus bad bunny and Ray or something like that. Right. I'm assuming but what does he do after that? Let's say let's say that ends the feud. Was he was he gonna go into a feud with Seth Rollins or something? Like no, he's not good enough to carry it because the, the whole story of him, you know, standing up to his father and striking his family and like that's all good and fine. But what does he have beyond that? His promos aren't good. As much as people like to pretend that he's improving, he's not. His whole character, I mean, the character that he has adopted leans into his like dull nature because he's very monotone and he's just a, a dork. So it's like, oh, he went to jail and now he's a thug because it's funny, like because it's ironic because he's the opposite of that, which is a dullard. So but that that's unfortunately the reality. So he had, what's 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 his heat after the thing with Ray? That's, I don't know. This is no presence to him. He's not a star. He doesn't carry himself like a star. And it's not like he's, you know, 
I mean, he's he's 25 years old. People pretend like he's an 18 year old kid, like just getting the start. No, he's been wrestling for a long time, and he's still at this quality. So, I don't know, man. Hope I hope the best for Dom, but I do not have high hopes. Um, but after that, we got Rhea Ripley beating Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Awesome match, arguably the best of the weekend for WWE. Um, Rhea and Charlotte, they always, they pretty much always show up when they have pay-per-view matches against each other. So no surprise that this is a great match, but, um, yeah, Rhea, you know, I was talking about Dominic, how he has no presence to him and he doesn't come off like a star. Rhea is the exact opposite. Just feels like a beast, feels like a champion. And I'm looking forward to her reign because, um, she might be the, uh, injection of you know something because that that's that smackdown women's division they need something they need challengers they can't just have the champion so they need to do something with that division but rhea ripley being the champion is a good start um really fun match really hard hitting great finish uh, with the rip tied off the second rope back and forth back and forth so i was entertained throughout this whole entire match so good good shit Apparently, Charlotte is uh, taking a break after she's been back for, like, what, a couple months. Was handed the title right away, and now she loses it, and now she's taking her ball and going home again. So whatever. I'm I'm done with Charlotte. Uh, she just annoys me, man. Like, she, she implied, because going into this, the whole thing was like, what's going to main event? Is it going to be... Rhea versus Charlotte, or is it going to be the tag title match? And obviously it ended up being the tag title match. And Charlotte's pissed about this because she had, she had an interview with Ryan Satin. I guess it was a few days before the show. And they were discussing if it should be the main event or not. The match between her and Rhea. And Charlotte's like, she's basically implying that the only reason people don't want it to main event is because they're women. Which is not the case. It is it's it's the less it's less strong of a story than the Usos versus KO and Sammy. That's that's the that's the end of it. That's all it is. That's why people wanted that to main event as, instead of this. But Charlotte has to make it about, you know, a gender it has, she has to make it a gender issue. She can't come to grips with herself that something that she's involved in is not engaging. Because Charlotte as a character is not engaging. Without the title, Charlotte has nothing. She's one of the most shallow characters on the entire roster. She's the, look how many titles I've won. That's all, that's her character. The amount of scripted wins that she has is her claim to fame as a wrestler. Has nothing else. Has nothing else. So she's taking a break, whatever. Bon voyage, I guess. But but yeah, happy for Rhea. <laughs> With that being said, happy for Rhea. Like I said, she's a star. She can go in the ring. She can talk. Good shit. Good shit. And then you have Pat McAfee versus The Miz for some reason, whatever. I will say, though, Miz as a host. Well, first of all, the whole the whole host thing for WrestleMania is always stupid. They always have like one or two segments. It's like, are you are you a host at that point? I don't know. Um, I thought Pretty Deadly did a better job as hosts for the uh, NXT show. But uh, that's a whole different it's a whole different story. Um, but then that brings us to the main event of night one. You got KO and Sammy defeating the Usos. 
for the undisputed tag team championships. Incredible match, man. Dude, I... This match really hit me in the feels for a lot of reasons. Uh, one is that tag team wrestling has always had a special place in my heart because it is what really solidified me as a wrestling fan. Uh, TLC two specifically the Hardys, Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, that whole feud is what really like, that was like the first thing that really gripped me in wrestling. And ever since I've just loved tag team wrestling. I think a really good tag team match is the best that wrestling can get personally. Um, but also, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. I mean, we've seen the story play out on WWE TV. That alone has been incredible. So that this, the best thing that WWE has done story-wise in quite a long time. But from a personal standpoint, again, if you, you listen to my show and you know that I cover a lot of Ring of Honor, and a big reason that I even bother covering Ring of Honor is because of the special plays it has in my heart is because of just the, the sheer fun and the, the sheer, just the, how much I enjoyed watching it, like in the mid to late 2000s. And a big part of that era was a team of Kevin Steen and El Generico. They were my favorite tag team in Ring of Honor. I mean, I, I used to lime wire matches from these guys <laughs> and watch them on my little monitor that had a power cord that barely worked and had to like jiggle it to keep the screen on watched it in bed, you know, 10 feet away from my 20-inch computer screen. I used to go out of my way to watch wrestling like this because I enjoyed these guys so much. And now to see them main eventing WrestleMania and winning the titles, closing the show on top, it was just an incredible moment. And um, let's hope they can elevate the tag division. I don't have super high hopes, but if there's any team that can do it at this point, it's Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, so... Awesome, awesome match. Awesome builds. I mean, this was just, it was perfect. That's, that's all I can say. Um, and by the way, if you're still on the train of Sammy is buried because he was put in a tag team match. I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, is, there's no arguing with that. Um, I mean, just watch this match. And if you still believe that, you're just head is in the sand. So, but that brings us to night two, WrestleMania Sunday, opening with Brock Lesnar defeating Omos. Whatever. Match was is exactly what it needed to be. You got Omos throwing Brock around. You got Brock throwing Omos around. Both are spectacles. The F5 on the huge Omos. Brock wins. Like, what else do you want? You know, it didn't stay too long. It was sub five minutes. I don't know. Personally, I think Omos gets too much hate. I think, you know, whatever. He's a big, giant dude. He's <laughs> He comes around when you need a giant to face somebody, and he kicks rocks. You know, he, he has a lot of charisma. He has a lot more charisma than, like, a great Kali or, you know, any of the other giants that we've seen in the past. So I, I'm, I'm an Omos sapien myself, personally. So, And then we had the four-way women's tag team match, and I'm going to be perfectly honest with you guys. This is the match <laughs> I had to take. I, I I may have had to urinate during this match. I had to get a $16 cheeseburger. I had to get a beer. It was the whole thing. So um, I missed most of this match. But according to uh, what people have been talking about this match, I don't think I missed much. Uh, Ronda gets the win. I think she literally just 
does nothing and then walks in and locks in an arm bar and gets the win. I mean, there's, there's no reason to care about this match. There's no stakes. It's a waste of time. It's just to give people paydays. So happy for them, I guess. Happy for these people to get their <laughs> moment in the sun. But as a fan, I, I couldn't, you couldn't pay me to give a shit about this. So, um, but God, by golly, suck me sideways. Gunther. Defends his Intercontinental title against Drew McIntyre and Sheamus in one of the best WWE matches I've ever seen. This ruled. This ruled. This is, this is, this is the exact type of wrestling that I like. I love all these guys. The chemistry between all these guys was awesome. Brutal, hard-hitting. The drama was great. I, I was really hoping Sheamus would win. And when Sheamus, like Drew was going for the Claymore on Sheamus and then Sheamus counters with the broke kick man everybody in that stadium thought it was it but it was not a lot of good false finishes in this match and ultimately gunther wins with power bombs to both guys and um look gunther continues his reign as the ic champion you're not going to hear me complain about that but um i mean this is what the ic title should be this kind of work rate stuff but i was really hoping sheamus would win but um i don't know man he'll get his time someday Maybe, or maybe not. I don't know. Um, but awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Bianca Belair defeats Asuka to retain the Raw Women's title. This match is better than I expected, I'm going to be honest. And uh, again, I was expecting Asuka to win this. I thought it was a foregone conclusion, but uh, Bianca wins. And uh, man, I love Bianca. I feel like she's going to need a character shift very soon because I can I can feel her becoming stale. Um, she has the charisma, she has the ability, but she's going to need a character shift. She, she needs something new because, um, it's becoming a little repetitive, but whatever, man. Like I said, I love Bianca. She's a great champion. Not mad about her reign continuing, but kind of bummed that Asuka couldn't take the strap here. So, and Asuka's another one. She had another like cryptic tweet. She might be leaving too. I don't know. I don't know. Weird, weird stuff. But speaking of weird, here comes the money. <laughs> oh, shit. Shane McMahon comes out there, challenges the Miz. They start wrestling for some reason. And then Shane does a, a leapfrog and fucking tears his quad. <laughs> Classic McMahon fashion. And I thought it was a work too, man. Because, I mean, the, the, the improvis improvisation of Snoop Dogg was smooth as hell. I can see why this guy's a Hall of Famer. I mean, it was just, he, he, he handled this situation perfectly. And that's what made me think it was a work at first, but I guess it wasn't. So, very smooth how they uh, ended this segment. And I can't imagine Shane beating Miz would have been better than fucking Snoop Dogg doing the people's elbow. So, all's well that ends well, I guess, except if you're Shane McMahon. But, um whatever cool cool little cool down segment nothing wrong with that and then we got hell in a cell edge sorry brood edge defeating the demon finn balor i'm i'm over hell in a cell man look i i, I was excited because this is my first hell in a cell match that i've seen live so it was cool to see that it was cool to see the, the gray cell <laughs> come back but they have to i don't know man i think color-coded weapons <laughs> 
a purple chair and a, and a red kendo stick. That's worse than a red cell, in my opinion. That's so fucking stupid. And it's supposed to be a blood feud, but you got the goofy you know, edge coming out with his disco ball mask and his wings and brood edge on the Titan Tron. What the what the what? <laughs> Just what? Uh, just beating us over the head. Just, just call him Edge. Let the brood undertones just tell the story themselves. Like you don't have to have brood Edge on the screen. That's stupid. Um, but whatever. I was kind of hoping for like a different demon. Like I know he had like a little bit more like purple on his paint or whatever, but he was. A carbon copy, virtually, of the old demon. And I, I don't know why people are so fascinated with this demon character. I mean, it's... I don't know, man. I've had enough of it. He's um, ultimately not that different than Finn Balor. It's just Finn Balor with paints. I don't know why people are acting like this is the fucking... Second coming of Christ when the demon comes out. But whatever. People like it. Uh, you know, God bless him. I mean, Finn gets busted in this match. I mean, if you've seen the picture, it was a gnarly gash. Um, so I don't blame them for stopping the match because that that is a I'm going to bleed out and die gash if they didn't staple them shut. So that's fine. But um, I don't know, man. You need some blood in Hell in a Cell. Yeah, they had the goofy purple chairs and shit, but no blood. It was just... Hell in a Cell gimmick has been killed. They've it's over it's oversaturated. It's overdone. People don't care about it anymore, man. And this feud, as as cold as ice, should have ended a long time ago. I did like the unique little spot though, Finn like climbing the inside of the cage and doing the coup de gras through a table or the attempt. So that was fun. That was unique. But otherwise, this match didn't really do it for me. Um, but Edge gets the win, and uh, very interesting. We'll see what happens with Edge in the future. And that brings us to the main event, which we obviously already talked about. So um, Roman Reigns defeats Cody Rhodes. And that, that brings us to the day that followed. <laughs> um, first of all, it was announced that Endeavor, the parent company of UFC, uh, purchased WWE. Um, I, I don't have a lot of thoughts on it. I mean, if you want business talk, this is not the podcast for it. Personally, it just doesn't interest me that much. I'm more concerned on the product that is in front of me. But um, it'll be interesting. I mean, with the, U the UFC, WWE kind of being under the same umbrella opens up a lot of interesting uh, possibilities. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see, man. I honestly don't think we've seen enough to really have a, a formulated opinion on it. But, I mean, what was it, $21 million <laughs> that Vince sold it for? So, And he bought WWF for $1 million, So that, that's quite the ROI from Mr. Uh, mustached Vince McMahon. God, wow, dude, this man. <laughs> he looks like, you know, the, the villain from Lazy Town? I forget his name, but... He looks exactly like him. He's like, he's a cartoon character, this Mystic Man at this point. So whatever. Good on him. He, he, the fucking allegations against him. Yeah, it's old hat, right? Yeah, we're moving forward. But yeah, not, not a ton of thoughts on that. But it'll be interesting to see how the product changes as a result, if it does at all. So but that brings us to the Raw after WrestleMania. Now, like I said, WrestleMania was awesome. 
I mean, the the atmosphere, like I mentioned over and over again, it was just incredible. Had an awesome time. And um, we came back home the following day, the Monday. Got home a little before Raw started. So I was like, you know what? I don't feel like doing anything. I'm just going to throw a roll on. See, 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 see what's the haps with this show. And it's, it's incredible how fast you can go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Because WrestleMania, the, the ending of WrestleMania, while a lot of people don't agree with it, it was just so emotionally charged. It was exciting. An incredible show. And then you get the roll after WrestleMania, and it is just... I mean, I turned it off. <laughs> it was, I very rarely will just shut a Raw off, but I was so bored. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I was just tired from traveling all day, but God damn it. I didn't, did not give a shit. This is even before the Brock and Cody thing, how Brock turned on Cody. But even when I was like, oh, Brock and Cody are on a team and face Roman and Solo. I was like, I, don't, I really don't give a shit. But... Well, it's not that I didn't give a shit about that, but the whole show leading up to it, it was like, it just beat me down. You could tell people are tired. You could tell people, like, the promos are all very formulaic. A lot of people, like, Bianca's in particular, she sounded very, like, unsure of herself. Very, like, unmotivated. Same thing, even with, like, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They were, like, kind of just going through the motions a little bit. Um, opens up with Omos versus Elias. <laughs> I think that that's what you're going to open up the show with. Um, but by no means is Raw after WrestleMania. I wasn't expecting like, you know, this crazy show. People have this idea that Raw after WrestleMania is a huge deal. It hasn't been a huge deal in literally like a decade. There have been like two or three Raws after WrestleManias that were awesome. But then WWE did what they do best and then they made a organic thing and organic you have like the commentary teams opening up every show with they they boo people they normally cheer and they cheer people who they normally boo. They had, they had, WWE had to make it a thing, and ever since they made it a thing, it's it hasn't been the same. So I I wasn't expecting much out of a Raw after WrestleMania. So, but even even with those low expectations, the show was just the drizzling shits, just boring. Nothing happened. <laughs> it was just. Yeah, Triple H opening with like a 20 minute promo saying nothing. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. But with um, all this talk of Vince being in control of creative again, and I, I, I take all that with a grain of salt because we, ne we never know who's booking what as much as people like to pretend they know they don't. For all we know, Triple H could have booked the entirety of Raw. We just don't know. But... If uh, the quality maintains the quality that it's at right now, I might, uh, hell, NXT might take up that mental bandwidth in my head as far as like time to watch wrestling during the week because I haven't been watching NXT, the TV show, in quite some time. But I did check out the TakeOver, Stand and Deliver, and uh, it's a fine little show. I do like a lot of the, uh, the people involved in NXT. Carmelo as champion, it's awesome. Braun Breaker turning heel on NXT. Awesome. You know me, I'm a big, I was a big NXT UK mark, and now you get the whole goddamn roster is like, you got Tyler Bade and Noam Dar's back, and you got Gallus and Ilya Dragunov, Jordan Devlin. I mean, 
you got Dragon Lee showing up. You got A Kid. You got Nathan Frazier. I mean, the whole roster is stacked. The women's roster also, you got Roxanne Perez, you got Andy Hartwell as a new champion, Tiffany Stratton's an up-and-comer, so they got a lot of good stuff in NXT. Um, so I might have to check that out more. Um, but the TakeOver, I don't really have a lot of thoughts on it. The five-way North American title match was awesome. That's the only match I'd really tell you to go out of your way to watch. But um, as a whole, the show was fine. Uh, a little shout-out to Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor as well. Um, solid, solid little show. Uh, the main event, the main event between Claudio and Eddie Kingston was awesome. I've been enjoying Ring of Honor. Uh, you know, I've been checking out the TV show and Honor Club. It's a fun little digestible show. I mean, I, I kind of wish it'd be shorter because it's that. That's kind of like why I loved NXT UK so much because it was like a short little digestible show. And you know, Ring of Honor on Honor Club, it, it is a good show, but it's a lot to. <laughs> dedicate to every week but um, i've been enjoying it so far and uh hopefully we'll see more um separation between ring of honor and AEW going forward um and with wheeler yuda losing the pure title and all that stuff maybe we're heading that way but we'll see we'll see but um yeah i think i think i've babbled enough huh oh i like i didn't really have a roadmap for this episode i was kind of just talking about stuff but um yeah, I think that about does it. Um, hopes, uh, uh, thank you for uh, <laughs> enduring my nasally voice or whatever, whatever this sounds like. Maybe it's maybe it's nice and raspy for you. Maybe maybe you like it. Maybe I should keep it. Um, but yes, that's about all Daddy has for you today. We'll be back next week, regular 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 time, regularly scheduled programming. I've uh, got WCW Uncensored 1996 coming at you next week on your regular bump day, Wednesday. Um, but with that, I'll leave you. I'll love you. I'll give you a kiss on the cheek. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. And yeah. I'm hard. Walk around and disregard it Ship you off the ground, show you what heart is Standing strong and proud of me and I guess Let's get it started It's the hardest Talk around and disregard it Ship you off the ground, show you what heart is Standing strong and proud of me